The Conspiracy Podcast contains adult themes, language, violence, and sexual situations. Basically, all the good stuff. Thanks for listening! But it's a little more complicated than the Christian thing because we have uh, these three basic archetypes of Jehovah, Lucifer, and Satan. And then we saw the Christ aspect as being the unifier. And then the more complicated and more fundamental uh, scenario was uh, came from the, the concept of uh, loving your enemy. And as Robert would say, you know, uh, who was Christ's enemy? Satan was Christ's enemy. So, the idea was to, through love, uniting the opposites, uniting these different aspects. Hello, and welcome back to Conspiracy, the podcast where we talk about death, <laughs> <laughs> sex, weird people who like to start cults, I'd be their friends, um, conspiracy theories. Like 9-11 was an inside job. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> Everyone. I'm just a dancing lobster. That includes myself. So. Oh, okay, okay. Well, that's normal, <laughs> I gotta though. I got to get rid of all the witnesses. Okay. Just, you know, talking about weird shit and whatnot. Um, yeah, so welcome back. I'm Katie. Hello, I'm Renee. Hello, I am Liz. Yay. Yay. We're all back. And we're here. <laughs> and I'm queer. I will get you. Thank to you. It. Thank you for I was saying just that. Say, Damn it. We're I was like, to please. It. <laughs> please. We're here, she's queer, and we are also used to it. I mean, technically, I feel like all three of us are queer that's to so some true. degree. <laughs> that's, that's the truest thing I've We're ever heard. <laughs> Every single one of us is higher than a four on the Kenzie scale. Oh, at least. True. Did you guys see that thing this week with uh, Larry David? The Trump thing, and Trump was like, yeah. So how dumb can one motherfucker be is, like, the question of the last four years, but maybe now more than ever. Like, you didn't think to watch the video in which Larry David was wearing a Make America Great Again I guarantee he did, but he still didn't understand that it was satire because he is in the throes of dementia. And then Larry David gave an interview, and the guy interviewing him was like, so what do you have to say about uh, people that like your show that also support Trump and now they feel marginalized? And Larry David was like, I could give a fuck and you guys should marginalize yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Like, why would I don't understand why a Trump su- supporter would watch Curb Your Enthusiasm? <gasps> I don't even watch Curb Your Enthusiasm that often, but it's uh, it's I legendary. Mean, it is. I mean, it's a it's a great show for people who think Bill Maher gives cutting edge news. I sometimes like to watch it, but that is definitely its demographic: older white liberals, the exact type of people Trump supporters hate. That is Richard's favorite show. <laughs> well, yeah, because Richard and Cat are both basically Larry David. That's true. That's so true. So, did y'all see? Do y'all watch Trevor Noah? 
I watch his like clips on the yeah. gram. Same. Did you see when uh, during Ew. the Iowa caucus, he sent his, his the guy went to the Trump rally that was happening in Iowa, and he was talking to all the Trump supporters <laughs> and oh, all these boy. fucking people. Oh my god, mm. he was asking them questions about like he asked one lady, he was like, "Did you read the transcript?" She was like, "Yeah, I read the transcript." He she was like, "You know." I, I I mean I didn't read it. I actually you know watched them on the news read it. But yeah, I mean who did read it? I mean nobody has time for that. And the guy interviewing was like, I read the transcript. She was like the whole thing, and he was like, Yep, it was the whole the thing. Page. It was two pages long. He definitely right. he definitely like, cheated and lied. Like that's yeah. what he said. And these people were like at the end. He asked this one guy. He was like, So you think Trump's doing a great job? He made a um, he's made a great dictatorship out of this, right? And the guy was like, Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, My favorite. What? It wasn't the Iowa one. It's it's a probably a few mu- a few weeks old, but it's the same guy from Daily Show, and he was talking to a guy, a Trump supporter, and the guy was like, "Well, yeah, I think it's everybody's responsibility to read the transcript." And he was like, "So did you read the transcript?" And he goes, "No." He's like, "But it's everybody's responsibility <laughs> right. to read the transcript." And he was like, "Yeah, everybody needs to read it." But did you read it? No. But it's everybody's responsibility to read it. And I was just uh. sitting there, just like, do like. I mean, these people also were like, yeah, uh, they need to be held accountable and uh, during the trials of his impeachment and everything. And they were like, uh, and so the guy then asked them, well, do you think that they should then, if they all need to be held accountable and they need to make sure they have all their info, that they should call in witnesses? And the people were like, yeah, I'm, I mean, no, no, no witnesses. No. It's like, because uh, y'all know he fucked up. Like, yeah. you know. <laughs> and it's the same thing like, oh, they didn't offer new evidence, but you realize they voted against new evidence. They tried to bring in new evidence. And poor Mitt Romney. He tried. Like <laughs> He definitely sharded in his Mormon underpants. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I feel like it's more important Sorry, now more than ever, listeners. You just need to vote. Please vote. Please vote. Please vote. Please vote. I don't... I say, I say nay to Booty Gay, but if he's our candidate, he I will like vote a for who him. From, he looks like the Grinch. Like, like a Who from Whoville version of like... Or like the a, Grinch fucked like, Cindy Lou Hill. Yes, he yes, looks, that's what he looks like. He looks yeah. like the blue fairy from Pinocchio came down oh to Chuck God. E. Cheese one Aww. night and turned him into a real boy. Hmm. Like, <laughs> why? <laughs> and then apparently Joe Biden last night was giving a speech about people of color mm. and basically associating the fact that he's friends with Obama. He thinks that he's just going to ride until South Carolina, where there's a lot more African-American voters, and then he'll coast his no. way to victory on the bla- no. backs of black people. That's like mm-hmm. Pete Buttplug thinking so. I'm sorry. Um, I mean, he seriously say, is like waiting for the African-American vote. And, I mean, does he have a lot of gay supporters, though? Like, no. I feel like he doesn't. I don't no. know any... Kat and I were talking about this the other day. I don't know any gay person there is is supporting him every gay person i know is supporting either elizabeth warren or bernie sanders there is a house that i pass almost every day when i'm going to work and i'm pretty sure they're gay because they have rainbow flags (laughs) and they have pete butt plug signs sitting in their yard i'm sorry i like calling him pete butt plug as Kat and I call him Pete Booty Gay. I mean, come so. on. His, he he asked for it. Like, he, he asked <laughs> for it. <laughs> he asked for it by having that last name oh, and, and being Did gay. Obama endorse Mike Bloomberg? No. There's no way Obama would. In- First of all, if Obama endorsed Mike Bloomberg, you know Joe Biden would be riding the cry train. Right. All the way to Nevada. He would have already said something about it. I, I am... 
it is my opinion that Obama is waiting for Joe Biden to either clinch the nomination, which is not looking like, or drop out of the race. Because I don't think he wants to endorse Biden, but I don't see a way he can get around it without, like, causing an uproar. But that's my opinion. And I say, Obama, just do it. Just do it. I, I mean, oh, I'm, Mike Bloomberg is just, like, including Obama in his ads. Yes. That he paid how much money for? Exactly. You know what? I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. He has, like, $84 billion. Please blow your money on all of these political mm-hmm. ads. You have no chance of winning. He's basically 80% of the reason why he's running is to troll Trump because that's all he does. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I'm, I'm fine with it. He, Everybody knows he's terrible. None, nobody's going to vote for him. He got, like... 16 votes in Iowa. I'm not worried about it. Watch fucking Klobuchar just like, I, I weasel will, her way on up there. <laughs> Be like, I what will the say, fuck? as much as I do not like Mayo Pete for being a dirty, dirty centrist, there's something about Amy Klobuchar and her dirty, dirty centrist ways that I absolutely love. And I don't know why. Maybe it's because she's from Minnesota. And like, I know I, I was like Midwestern. Yes. I hear mm. that Midwestern accent. And I'm like, Take me home. No. Sean was like, Jill Stein is probably like, God damn it, Amy Klobuchar. To vote. Because, you know, Jill (laughs) Jill Stein tried real hard back in 2016. Yeah, and that is why I will never, ever, 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 ever forgive Susan Sarandon. Ever. I don't care if she drops by my house tomorrow (laughs) with a publisher's clearinghouse check for $15 million. I will never forgive her for going on all those news programs in 2016 and saying, I'm not voting for Hillary Clinton, and you shouldn't either. I'm voting for Jill Stein. Hillary Clinton is terrible. La, 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 la. Like, this is partly your fault, Susan Sarandon. True. And she has never once taken responsibility for it. Nope. Like, there are, lots of us didn't want to vote for Hillary Clinton, but we did it anyway because the um, the other choice was absolutely awful. And here we are. And here we are. Which, once again, please vote, friends. Well, <laughs> this week... While we spill the tea on a very exciting cult. I'm so excited. We are also sipping on some wonderful August Uncommon, as usual. Please sponsor surprise, us. Surprise, surprise. Uh, tea this week called Painted Desert. Uh, so this is a crisp black tea with chili and chocolate. Um, it's got like Ceylon black tea, cocoa husk, cinnamon, chili, safflower petals. It tastes like dried pasilla chili and Mexican mm-hmm. hot chocolate. And it feels like <clears throat> mood music, please. Uh, what kind of mood music do you want? Mm, um, like a desert sunset. <laughs> Chai lovers and spice lovers will flip for the spicy black tea with new Mexican flavor. Tart tannins jump across the tongue in the first sip. Sweet cinnamon, smoky chili, and salty chocolate notes rise and fall with the steadiness of a piano scale. We recommend milk for a rich and... Oh, that is so good, milk. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was thinking, I really want to make like a Mexican hot chocolate out of this. Yeah, with whiskey. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I'm all out, though. (laughs) We recommend milk for a rich and spicy morning tea. If Mexican hot chocolate was a tea, this would be it. I completely agree. I'm a huge fan of Mexican hot chocolate. And this Me too. is like, this is delicious. It's just the right amount of spicy where I'm like, yes. But I'm not like, Ugh. Yeah, exactly. My mom, that's how like she prefers her coffee every day. She makes like Mexican latte. She puts like chili powder oh, in all of her coffee. 
So I'm really excited to talk about um, the cult we're talking about today. Me I was telling um, Liz earlier, I feel like last episode, we all three of us took on a lot. Like researching Samuel Little is a very like daunting process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I told my wife multiple times how much I hated researching him. So I was like, he killed so many people. Yeah. Which one should I focus on? There's so many. But um, this one is a lot more concise and it was a lot more fun to research. Um, And you'll find out why in a little bit. So uh, back to the future part two. I'm going to start in the future. During the satanic panic of the 80s, a man named Maury Terry published a 640-page bestseller called The Ultimate Evil, which attributed the Manson, Zodiac, and Son of Sam murders to a global satanic underground masterminded by a sinister cult known as the Process Church of the Final Judgment, led (laughs) by the shadowy and charismatic Robert de Grimston, who had strangely disappeared from the public view in the early 70s. The only problem was, by the time Terry published his book, Robert de Grimston was working an office job in Staten Island and going by his birth name, Robert Moore, and the Process Church itself, from which he'd long been excommunicated, had morphed into the Best Friends Animal Sanctuary in Kanab, Utah, the largest no-kill animal shelter in America. And he went... I'm, I'm sorry. But it's like they like started here... Yep. And then went down here and then tried to get back to where they were, but stopped here because they were like, "Mm, this is is what society is okay with. And then they took a left turn and they were like, animals. That's what I'm (laughs) saying. That's what society is okay with. Like, Mm -hmm. but it's between these two extremes, like no kill animal shelter, satanic cult, that the real reality of the process church lies. So the story of the Process Church of the Final Judgment begins with a woman named Mary Ann McLean. So her childhood was terrible, as most cult leaders are. Um, It was defined by poverty and neglect in Glasgow, which is where she was born. Um, However, she was very attractive, driven, and ambitious. And by the early 1950s, she had emigrated to... The United States of America, most likely paid for by her earnings from being a high-paid prostitute in London. Um, For a time, she was involved with U.S. boxing champ and legend Sugar Ray Robinson. Um, Some sources say they were married. Some sources say the two were just involved. If you ask Sugar Ray's children, they will claim it's all lies. Um, In any case... Mary Ann moved back to London in the 1960s. If she was involved with Sugar Ray, she must have gotten something from their split because she immediately took a lease on an expensive flat and set up a high-class call girl service. Um, She entertained some very wealthy customers and had connections with the Profumo scandal, which I'm going to talk about super quick because it's a whole thing, but I feel like you need context So the Profumo Affair was a British political scandal that originated with a sexual relationship in 1961 between John Profumo, the Secretary of State for War in Harold Macmillan's conservative government, and Kristen Keeler, a 19-year-old would-be model who also happened to be a call girl. Nice. Prostitutes, call girls. Yes. Yay, Um, sex workers. There's so much more to it than that, but it's not really pertinent to the story. So we're moving on. Anyways, Marianne was also manipulative, demanding, and volatile. She knew how to exploit the emotional needs of others 
and fostered dependence in the people around her. Um, because of those fantastic traits, she soon joined the London branch of the Church of Scientology. Um, it was here she met her future husband and cult collaborator, Robert Moore, as he was still going by his birth name. Now, quick about Robert, because he's kind of interesting, but like not as interesting. He was born in Shanghai in 1935. He served in the military as a cavalry officer stationed in Malaya. He had a middle-class upbringing and studied as an architect. He boasted of having an IQ of 163. <laughs> yeah, and claimed he was a member of Mensa. Uh-huh. Um, he was tall, handsome, dreamy, and charismatic, but also passive and emotionally dependent, which was a perfect match for, well, now a, a not kind of a volatile match, but still kind of perfect for her. And both of them were auditors in the Church of Scientology, but they had very similar belief systems so they soon developed like their own type of therapy and they tested it at the church of scientology in rooms away from everyone else however marianne soon discovered that the rooms she was doing these sessions in were bugged so she allegedly made the decision for them to leave although other sources say the two of them were deemed to be suppressive people and kicked out of Scientology. There's a lot of like, da da da. Mm -hmm. um, Marianne, who was sensitive to appearances, convinced Robert to drop more and go by De Grimston. Does that sound more proper? It sounds less common. De Grimston. De Grimston. Okay. Um, and then after he changed his last name, she married him in 1964. <laughs> so the group they set up was called Compulsions Analysts. And they combined the organizational methods of Scientology and the ideas of psychologist Alfred Adler. And I wanted to go over his stuff super quick because while he was a contemporary of Freud and Jung, he's not as well known. So he was one of the co-founders of psychoanalysis along with Sigmund Freud. But he broke away from him and Carl Jung to form his own independent school of psychotherapy and personality theory. His most famous concept is the inferiority complex which he believed spoke to the problem of self-esteem and its negative effects on human health. So he believed people were driven by what he called secret goals, um, hidden agendas that gave rise to compulsions and neuroses. So very similar to Freud's line of thinking. He believed the idea was to discover these goals and make them conscious. He also argued for holism, viewing the individual holistically rather than reductively, which is what most of his contemporaries were advocating for at the time. And he was among the first in psychology to argue in favor of feminism and the female analyst. So I can see why Marianne was into him. Uh, he made the case that power dynamics between men and women and also by association, masculinity and femininity are crucial to understanding human psychology. And finally, and this is like a very short overview of all of his beliefs and theories. Um, he believed strongly in the individual's creative power to change for the better. So these, this was the foundation of what they were putting out at first. Before Sounds it, great, just like Jonestown. Before it went off the rails, yeah. According to uh, Robert de Grimston, compulsions analysts was different from Scientology because they never claimed the benefits were infinite. Rather, in his own words, we are not offering superpowers, but a means that people can live on this side more effectively. They initially took an office on Wigmore Street in London. 
Shortly after they started, strange things began to happen. Um, there, the group, the initial group of people were around 30, and they began to feel various group mind effects. Um, they also began to feel set apart from the rest of society, and this was the 60s. So like many alternative groups at the time, compulsions analysts moved really quickly from self-help to a kind of spiritual quest. And yeah. Drugs. And <laughs> believed they were going through the process um, to regard the rest of society as kind of a bad dream. So the Grimston started believing that what they had created was something more than a new type of therapy. And that's when they decided they needed a new name, um, something that must be obvious so they renamed it the process church of the final judgment which honestly is like such an annoying name it really is but it does tell you everything you need to know there's a process it's a church and we're here to talk about the final judgment it's just annoying yeah you just could call like apocalypse now oh god that would have been great (laughs) that name was already taken no not then are you sure yeah that movie wasn't until it's post-vietnam so that's true yeah, they should have trademarked that. They it was in the be, works. They would be so freaking rich. Idiots. Anyways, in March of 1965, this is when they really kind of started to, when Marion and Robert really started to kind of like throw their weight around and start to control people. Um, one of the members of the church came into an inheritance and they convinced him to take out a lease on a mansion in Balfour Place in Mayfair, which is one of the richest parts of London, and donate this mansion to the process. And they convinced him to really, like, decorate the place, like, very juju. And they put a brass plate on the door featuring the new process symbol Robert had designed. And if you haven't seen it, it's four Ps going in a circle. So it kind (laughs) of looks like an iron cross Mm -hmm. crossed with a swastika. Not a great choice. Um. Yeah. So 25 members of the process moved into the mansion, but they actually weren't, given the fact that it was a gorgeous mansion in a gorgeous area of London, they were not there for very long because Robert and Marianne decided that they needed a retreat from the world that they were increasingly regarding with disgust. So in June of 1966, so this is three months later, um, they went to Nassau in the Bahamas and they took... Six, Alsatian, Alsatian. Yeah, I I wasn't sure on that. I think it's Alsatian. That's how I'm pronouncing it. Um, Alsatian dogs that they had recently acquired, um, which was a suggestion from the divine powers that they worshipped. Further suggestions, by the way, from the divine powers included an $80,000 yacht and first-class journeys to Turkey and parts of Asia for the Grimstons. So here is where... It starts to go from, like, exploitative cult to creepy religious cult. So they only stayed three months in Nassau. I don't know why these gorgeous places are not enough for them. But then they moved to Mexico City. Um, So they managed to find a really old rickety gross bus, which I'm sure was super nice after being in the Bahamas. Um, and they began driving across the Yucatan Peninsula looking for a place to settle. They found a location known as Stool. Um, its name meant the end in the Mayan language. And the group took this as a, as a sign that this is where they should settle. So it was, I mean, this is the part that's kind of nice. This is like 
the part in the documentary where it's like super fun and then the hammer slams down because mm-hmm. um, it was the group members felt it was very much like a paradise. They were essentially just like living on fresh fruit and like fish they caught and they were swimming, um, having a ton of sex with each other <laughs> and um, in big old orgies, essentially like going back to nature as was like the fun, popular thing to do in the 60s. And they wrote a lot of songs and chants and poems about stool. So they were really establishing a community there, which would have been great if they had stayed there longer than a month, which they didn't. Um, First, the locals didn't really want them there. And the parents of several of the church members had started to send anti-cult groups to get their children back. Because there were, I mean, they weren't like children. They were like 17, 16 yeah, the anti-cult groups were um, also uh, involving themselves in Jonestown. Yes. Yeah. The yeah. parents that were like, hey, get yes. my kid out of this fucking cult. Like. I want to be an anti-cult person. <laughs> um, however, it was here that Robert began to have contact with the three entities, Jehovah, Lucifer, and Satan. Woohoo! Satan. The three great gods of the universe. They had a weird hurricane that happened and like either before, during or after was when Robert had this crazy revelation that he met the twin gods of love and violence and he began to receive inspired teachings, um, which he called the stool dialogues. And he said Jehovah, Satan and Lucifer gave him a mission to return to London and preach the word of their imminent apocalyptic unification. What actually happened is he ate some mushrooms. He did eat some mushrooms. He That's actually true. He, I mean, that's that's he ate a little too much and yep. that's what he saw. And now we're recording a podcast about it because the mushrooms were too much for him. Be safe when you do drugs, kids. <laughs> and don't, don't start a cult after you take mushrooms don't. or acid. Nothing you like, see it's not nothing you see is real. That's your that's Oh, your thing. especially not that. Oh, thanks. You know, you might think you can be, you can start that cult within that five minutes of you being fucked up on crack, but you know, it's fine. And then you'll wake up the next day, fine. Yeah, and you're like, huh. I say that. I've, I've literally never We've done. never This done. is what I've heard. This is what I've heard. Um, anyways, while they were in stool, the group solidified its hierarchical structure, and the DeGrimstons were, of course, at the top. They were referred to as the Omega. And then beneath them were those regarded as masters, then priests, then prophets, and finally messengers. And I'm pretty sure Liz is going to go more into, like, how that hierarchy lived and worked. But I'm just here to tell you guys about mushrooms. So, anyways. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just here to tell you about hallucinogens. Um, This has been Drug Corner. So after the tropical hurricane came through and basically, like, ruined this wonderful community they'd been building, some of them decided to stay, which, like, makes sense. But the DeGrimstons and the rest of their followers left. It went back to London. Um, However, the Yucatan experience was, like, a super important part of the church. And pretty much it was, like, it was, like, the thing where group members who were there had, like, a different experience than those were than those who didn't, and there was like a very crucial division between those who went and those who joined after. They're back in London between the end of 1966 and 1967. They definitely got more 
churchy because they've got the three gods on their side. Mm -hmm. They're talking to to Grimston. They're telling him shit to do. Um, They became increasingly evangelical and they were really focused on attracting new members. And honestly, they were like, like, this is like a blueprint for how to attract people. They opened a library, a lecture hall and an all night coffee shop. Are you ready for the name? Are you ready for the name of that coffee shop? I'm so excited to yes. say it. The coffee shop was known as Satan's Cavern. <gasps> Damn, that's well, a that good one. That was my one. favorite part of researching. I was like, Renee's going to love this. <laughs> that is a good I was like, one. that's so metal. Um, There's also an alpha room where they held their Sabbath assemblies. So this really was like weird. It was like Christian, but also Satan. Very weird. Um, They had a movie theater which ran films that were dominated by destruction and violence because apocalypse is coming. You got to get people ready for it. They gave classes in uh, telepathy, self-expression, communication. And occasionally they would go to Hyde Park to preach about the apocalypse coming. So this is also when they started their magazine, which I'm only going to super briefly mention. It was at first titled The Common Market and later renamed The Process. Um, Copies of The Process are super sought after on the internet now and you can find like they cost hundreds of dollars if not thousands of dollars if you can find like an original copy also yeah so the group made a very sudden shift at this point they began to wear black capes and black turtlenecks um they sported shiny silver crosses so like definitely Mashing up Christianity and Satanism. They also wore badges featuring the sinister ghost of Mendez, the devil-headed demon of the witch's Sabbath. Just so fucking metal. Okay, I've changed my mind. I'm not there, you losing okay? it. I'm not joining uh, Heaven's Gate anymore. I'm joining this cult. Oh, yeah, yeah. I knew Have it. Fun. Um, in 67, 68, they made, the de Grimstons made further international travels. They went to East Asia, United States, Germany, and Italy. To kind of like spread their teachings. Um, in the in Italy, they visited the ruins of Thelema Abbey on Cefalu, which I'm pronouncing wrong, but I don't care. And that was the commune established in the 20s by my man, British occultist, Aleister Crowley. Mr. Crowley. Or if you're British, Aleister Crowley, what? which he was. So I guess that's right. I don't care. Um from late 68 onward, they spent most of their time in the United States. They opened chapters in a ton of U.S. cities. The first one was New Orleans. And that's where, like, the rest of the people who were still in the Yucatan Peninsula, they were like, we're ready to come back now. So many hurricanes. Put us in New Orleans. It never floods there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then they also had European chapters in Munich, Rome, and London. And then in the early 1970s, they opened their largest chapter in Toronto, Canada. And at its largest, the Process Church is estimated to have had a few thousand active members. Those Canadians. Those Canadians, man. Those damn Canadians. Yeah. Well, I am here to tell you all about the teachings and belief systems of the Process Church of the Final Judgment, also known as Renee's Church. Get those pens and papers, students. (gasps) Yeah, this this place is too metal. Put me in a black turtleneck and a shiny (sighs) silver cross, baby. So when that group first began, their beliefs differed quite a bit than they uh, were later in their popularity. Um, so Moore and McLean taught that there was only one supreme divinity, which was God. 
and that the focus of the group's activities was to transform those aspects of human nature that defy God. Basically, it's pretty standard, I feel yeah, like. It's like, like, oh, you don't believe in God? You should. Okay, mm-hmm. bye. Like, that's it. <laughs> because I'm pretty sure, does the Church of Scientology believe in God? No. Who knows? I think they just believe, they believe in Zorp. In, <laughs> they believe in John Travolta and Tom Cruise. <laughs> they believe in Tom Cruise. <laughs> they believe in fucking Tom Cruise. We all did at one if point. We all did. We all did. So, anywho, basically, it was your pretty standard belief system. One God, and then the point was, if you didn't believe in it, that they were going to fix you. Like Christians. So, many of the group's more therapeutic practices or processes... Processes, just saying, you know, the name of the cult. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Many of their therapeutic processes and concepts were derived from Scientology, including the term processing. In these therapy sessions, the group utilized an electronic meter titled the P-Scope. What? <sighs> which was based on the Scientology E-Meter. Mm-hmm. After Moore went on his little shroom binge and his hallucinogen kick in 1967, he introduced four divinities to the group's belief. Uh, so McLean and Moore were influenced by the Yunyan huh? psychology. <laughs> In particular, Carl <laughs> Jung's interpretation of the Christian Trinity, which, if you don't know, that would be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, so Jung had argued that the Trinity concealed a fourth element, hidden in the human subconscious, which was the devil. True. Yes. He believed that omitting this fourth component of the quaternity resulted in psychological unbalance. Basically, if you're ignoring Satan in your life, mm-hmm. you're a mess. Yeah, yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. So, don't in his Satan. study, <laughs> ever, 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 <laughs> obviously, <laughs> in his study of Satanism, Gareth Medway described the Process Church beliefs as a kind of neo Gnostic theology. Um, so, the Process Church preached the existence of four gods who were not regarded not as literal entities, but as inner realities existing within each human's personality. Accordingly, these deities were not worshipped. The names of its desires were drawn from the traditional Judeo-Christian religion. They were known as Jehovah, Lucifer, Satan, and Christ, and were collectively referred to as the great gods of the universe. God and Satan! As one, but also four, <laughs> and also three. Somehow. What? It's fine. Numbers is hard. Mm-hmm. Math s- is tough. It's okay, kids. Just do <laughs> shrooms and create a cult. That's the lesson from today. Oh, we need that on a t-shirt. <laughs> do shrooms make a cult? Do shrooms and start a cult. <laughs> um, okay. So, the church stated that Jehovah is strength, Lucifer is light, Satan is separation, and Christ is unification. Catchy, honestly. I like it. It's okay. It is what it is. Yeah. It's it. Each member was instructed to follow the god or gods, which were best suited to them. And everyone was like, and Satan. Mm-hmm. And then they are like, not what I meant. And everyone was like, <laughs> Satan. And they were like, no. And then we were all like, Satan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Black. The one I identify with. Yeah, we're already dressed in black. Hi, no, hello. we already got it. I'm here. Hello. <laughs> I brought a goat. It's Satan. <laughs> I brought a goat. <laughs> I also 
also brought Lucifer, because apparently we're two different people. Who knows? Yeah, one's the light, one's the separation. I got a goat here and a goat here. I'm ready to go. It's <laughs> great. Got, I got two goats, four horns. Let's get it done. Woo! Each individual was understood as a combination of two of these gods. So, Renee, Satan, and Lucifer. Okay. <laughs> with your, is that your Satan dance? <laughs> it's, it's my happy Satan dance. It looks like your Satan rain dance. Wow. <laughs> Because she summoned Satan. So the church taught that an individual's personality and relationships could be explained by reference to which gods they manifested. Moore, for instance, described himself as a blend of Luciferian and Christian traits, while McLean regarded herself as a combination of Jehovan and Satanic traits. (laughs) I don't know how that works, but good for you. Yeah, it... It's like... That that's the one that really does not make sense to me, Jehovah and Satanic. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely not a Reese's peanut butter cup when it comes to like combining things. Yeah, it's like a peanut butter and mayonnaise sandwich. Ooh. My dad eats those. Are you serious? <gasps> I'm it's a sandwich. Yeah. It's real. Yes. Well, so none of these deities were considered evil, but basic patterns of human reality. More taught that the real devil was humanity or the gray force, in quotes, which mm. we were understood as representing the compromise and conformity typical of the masses. As indicated by the group's name, the Process Church of the Final Judgment, the church taught a form of millennialism. According to Process Eschatology, ooh, eschatology, ooh, I like it. The reconciliation of opposites was seen by Moore in Matthew 5.44, where Christ tells his followers to love their enemies. Moore taught Christ's enemy was Satan, and the reuniting of the gods was achieved through love. Aww. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice? The communal life of the church members was strictly regulated. Among group members, sex and the use of drugs and alcohol were strictly rationed, with these practices being regarded as a distraction from spiritual work. Unlike other satanic groups active during the same period, the Process Church did not practice magic, which is like the lamest part. Yeah. If you're going to combine all the things in life, like, if you're just going to be a satanist, what are you, what are you doing? Just you wearing a black shirt tonight. <laughs> yeah. At least sacrifice a virgin every now and then. Right, like, catch a break, okay? Yes. How is Lord Satan going to know how you feel? Honestly. Unless you spill some blood for him occasionally. For real. The church held public rituals similar to Christian practices, such as baptisms, marriages, and a weekly gathering titled the Sabbath Assembly. Baptisms were performed at every elevation of status in the hierarchy of the church. The processions sang solemn hymns to the four deities during the assemblies. The group used a swastika-like symbol, the peace sign, mm. as its insignia. Really fucking weird. The symbol had four superimposed P letters and was also seen as representing the trumpets of the four great gods. The group also used a second symbol, the sign of the union, which featured the letter alpha inside the letter omega, representing the intercourse of the male Lucifer with the female Jehovah. That is kind of, in a nutshell, what they believed in and how they went about it all. So, if you understood any of that, congratulations, you are <laughs> a processian. Okay. So, now that um, Liz and Renee have told you about the processians, 
<laughs> and here they were. We I'm put gonna, the ball on the tee for you. I'm going to talk a little bit about kind of the people that made them famous in a not so great way. Mm-hmm. Um, so as both Liz and Renee touched base on, the process church was connected to Satanism due not only to their teachings and whatnot and what they decided to believe in, but also due to rumors of them being involved in ritualistic killings and sacrifices. Which then this came to connect the church with people like Charles Manson. Woohoo! So yes, we just (laughs) went from um, one thing to the next. Now, if you don't know who Charles Manson is, first, please... Please just stop what you're Who doing. Who are you? And do some research. <laughs> Unless you live under a rock or... Give us a five-star rating and, and then yes. fuck off. <laughs> because you either live in a rock or you're a child, which if you're under the age of 13 and listening to this, please, where are your parents? Where What's are happening? Quipping Don't repeat edgy. anything you need, that I said. It's no. t- yes. Just keep it on the DL. You don't know who we are. Mm-hmm. It's cool. But here's a little backstory. I'm not going to um, talk about Charles Manson that much just because um, we're gonna you know research him later on for y'all yeah (laughs) so charles manson no we are charles manson became known as one of the most terrifying murderers without even laying a finger on any of his victims um i would contest that but we'll cover that in the episode yeah okay see there we go i would agree with you renee anyways from what (laughs) the fbi and police which if we're going back to what the fbi has said not All I'm saying is Charles Manson would totally be an Instagram influencer. Oh, fuck yes. If he was young now. I mean, he was the 60s version of an Instagram influencer. Right. That's how he attracted so many, like, youngins. Because He's like if John Lennon and Jonathan Van Ness had a baby. Yes. Yeah, that's Charles Manson. Yes. Um, You're welcome, I, everyone. Yep. I apologize to Jonathan Van Ness. Okay, I well, don't. I'm obsessed with you. You're my not, president. But not only is he known as a terrifying man who may or may not have actually committed a murder physically with his hands. Um, he was one of the most notorious cult leaders of the 1960s. He became the cult leader of Manson Family, which was a nice little family cult that he created with a bunch of people who were just fucked up on a lot of drugs. And Charles Manson was fucked up on a lot of drugs and also had his heart broken by some people. And he also made a record, if anybody's curious, it is on Spotify. And so are we. We are. (laughs) Anyways, continuing. We are in no way affiliated with Charles Manson and the Manson family. So, due to rumors of Manson following the process church's teachings after the murders committed of the Tate LaBianca, is it LaBianca? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tate LaBianca murders, the process church of the final judgment uh, were actually investigated in having a connection to these murders. They denied ever being involved with Manson and his family, but the scrutiny and negative attention from all of this ruined the reputation of the process church, and the church eventually collapsed as a religious community. Now, not only were the rumors about Manson and the church about Manson following their teachings, but there were also rumors about Manson being a member of the church. The church has denied these rumors, and there's never been definitive proof he was ever a member, but Charles has said otherwise. And also, just a little side note, apparently it's rumored that Mick Jagger was also involved in Process Church. I read that. At some point. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm. they're they're really popular. Right? I mean, for a cult. Anyway, so 
After the Manson murders, and after Charles Manson admitted to using some of the teachings from the Process Church, the church sent in representatives to see Manson and asked if he really did take ideas from their teachings. Like, so he did. <clears throat> I'm trying to remember mm. what beliefs do they say he stole or borrowed, finagled? Um, was it the double? Because I feel like he did two gods. I, think I feel like it was God and Lucifer. It was something mm-hmm. along those lines, yes. Yeah. Um. Also, which I'm going to get to in a minute, he also studied some form of Scientology yes. at some point. So I think it also had to do with them being affiliated with Scientology, mm-hmm. even though he like dipped out on that. Um, but anyway, so... From this meeting with a representative, Manson actually contributed an article to the Process Church's magazine about death. Hmm. Um, and I'm going to read this from, I got the, all this from the Cult Nation site, but oh, yeah, like with yeah, a B. Yeah. For some reason. B. In his testimony to the Los Angeles court, Charles Manson had this to say about his relationship with society. I have done my best to get along in the world, and now you want to kill me. I say to myself, Ha! I'm already dead, have been all my life. I may have implied that I may have been Jesus Christ, but I haven't decided yet what I am or who I am. But what you want is a, is a fiend because that is what you are. You only reflect on me what you are inside of yourselves because I don't care anything about any of you. I don't care what you do with me. I have always been in your cell. When you were out riding your bicycle, I was sitting in your cell, looking out the window and looking at pictures and magazines and wishing I could go to high school and go to the prom. My peace is in the desert or in the jail cell. Wow. My peace is in the desert or in the jail cell. (laughs) And had I not seen the sunshine in the desert, I would be satisfied with the jail cell much more over your society. And this is... uh, Later in the jail cell, Charles Manson, in an article specially written for the process, developed these thoughts and gives his reality on death. Pseudoprofundity in death in one's eye, so insignificant as I, to fall off into endless dream, becoming the dream of total self. Death goes to where life comes from, total awareness, closing the circle, bringing the soul to now, ceasing to be to become a world within yourself. Locked in your own totalness, oh, fear my God, giving all to life as life falls into not, no thought pattern, becoming the sun, moon, and my mountains have breath. Okay. My oceans have feeling, my eyes cry rivers, and blinking stars reflecting other suns. Other worlds at peace in my calm night, becoming the wind, and knowing all in my world is death. Super cheery. That, class, that classic Manson charm. That's, you know, some poetry from... Our late Charles Manson. So the church was thought to be a form of Scientology and Satanism, right? And Charles Manson actually completed 150 hours of auditing. The crazy That's shit. That's a lot of... The crazy wow. shit that John that Travolta and Tom Cruise did. Yeah. Like the shit that the Scient- Church of Scientology holds mm-hmm. over them. Like the wow. fact that John Travolta is gay. Yeah. The fact that they were like, one we time, know, every time I see a man's butt, I get very happy. And we they're like... you're gay. <laughs> and the Church of Scientology... <laughs> It's okay. Like, we don't care yes, anymore. Let cares. that one go. Just throw it out. Yeah. It's fine. Neil Patrick um, Harris still gets work. It's okay to be gay now. Exactly. So, yeah, he completed 150 hours of auditing before declaring Scientology too crazy. 
I literally have <laughs> L-O fucking L. <laughs> too, this is, Scientology is too crazy for Charles Manson. Okay. 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 So I guess you could say Manson might have been drawn to the Process Church because of their ties and teachings of Scientology. Manson was a pretty big fan of the church's magazine they published called The Process, which then he got to write a magazine article, so, you know, he felt really special. Living his dream. Yes. Um, So after the Tate-LaBianca murders, police actually asked Charles Manson if he knew Robert Moore, and boy, his answer sparked some theories. Ready for this? Yes. So, yeah, so the one that I found, I'm like, after I read what, like, he wrote or he said in the reply to this question, if he knew Robert Moore. First, Manson replied with, you're looking at him. Moore and I are one and the same. Which is crazy. And that's um, not the first time he said that. Hold either. on. So, there is a Reddit post with a video about how Robert Moore and Charles Manson are actually the same person. And, yes, that face you're making, you would be like, okay, what? But, like, yeah. And there's that's not but the I, only I one. There are, Robert... mo- there are lots of – I know they're not the same person. Oh, yeah, like, I was going to say. No. I know what he fucking I know. looks like. But it's like – and then when Charles them. Manson responded they with, different noses. I am Robert Moore, we are one and the same, people were like, <gasps> oh, my God. They're like the the gif of the guy from the seventies movie. Yes, but like also, why are you going to believe anything Charles Manson says, even if Ever. you did? I mean, look at that. Like, come on, he looks like Jesus. Charles Manson looks like hobo Jesus. Hobo Jesus. <laughs> mm-hmm. So another killer is actually linked to the church after um, its collapse, like happened. Um, this other killer it was David Berkowitz. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Good old David Berkowitz. A.K.A. the son of Sam. Oh, man. We got to do him during yes. the, the, the summertime. For sure. <clears throat> um, many esoteric devotees believe the Process Church never actually ended, and instead it morphed into an international cult network, network of violent Satan worshipers. So, how does David Berkowitz tie into all of this, you ask? Actually, I am curious, because all I know about him is that he believed a dog was telling him to kill New Yorkers. Well, according to investigative journalist Maury Terry's bestseller, The Ultimate Evil, which Renee touched based on in the very beginning, he makes a connection between Manson and Berkowitz (laughs) through the Process Church. One evening in 1976, Berkowitz ran into his landlord, Sam Carr's son, Michael Carr, making him a son of Sam. Mm -hmm. And Terry claims Michael Carr took Berkowitz to a Process Church meeting in the woods of a nearby park. This is where Berkowitz was cutting fing- prints in his finger and pledging his soul to Lucifer. This subgroup of the Process Church was called the Westchester Chapter of the Children, and they committed crimes such as arson and a multitude of animal sacrifices. And mostly these animal sacrifices were German shepherds, which the Process Church's known dog breed they had on hand were the... Alsatian? Yeah. All I know is they're Alsatian. big dogs. I think they're the... Maybe it's because of the, the, the wordage is similar to Satan. I think so. <laughs> well, I know the original six were, like, gifted to them. Yeah. And then they just... Some of the other cult members were like, Oh, you have that dog. I have that dog. We have that dog. And then they just had a ton. Sounds like a children's book. <laughs> I have that dog. You have that dog. We have that dog. And we all worship Satan. Dog. And, yeah, and then the end of the book is Satan. <laughs> <laughs> the Satan at the end of this book. Satan. 
Okay, so... Also, tying Son of Sam Killer to the Process Church, according to two ex-cops who were on the NYPD when they reopened the Son of Sam case, they firmly believe the Process Church orchestrated all the killings. According to one of the cops, Michael Cordella, he says the Process Church had connections to outlaw biker gangs for things like money, drug trafficking, and even human trafficking. And a biker informant told him he witnessed the Process Church sacrifice a human, an actual human being. That's literally what it said in this article that I read, which was funny. <laughs> not like a, a human Not a replicant, being. but yes. a human being. <laughs> um, and both ex-cops say a number of trusted underworld contacts um, numerous times placed David Berkowitz at Process Church gatherings. Um, and I got all of that from an Investigation Discovery website article. I love Investigation called Discovery. Called Unholy Communion. Does a satanic cult connect Son of Sam to Charles Manson? Dun, dun, dun. Hmm. Um, 70s rave. <laughs> so there's honestly, there's honestly no telling if Manson or the Son of Sam killer are connected to the Process Church of the Final Judgment. But it's an interesting rabbit hole to venture down if you're into that sort of stuff. You're weirdos. Mm-hmm. True. Oh, I am. Oh, I am. So, like all wonderful, satanic, possibly ser- serial killer-related things, the Process Church had to come to an end. Um, and, just like it usually is, it's the man's fault. As usual. So the relationship between the DeGrimstons grew extra strange, strained, not strange, strained, when Robert decided to begin a relationship with a younger woman named Morgana, who later actually became his third wife after Mary Ann, a bitch left him and divorced him. <laughs> so in addition to divorcing, they also disagreed on the future direction of how the process church was going to evolve. Uh, Mary Ann thought they should declare the satanic phase over and replace it with more of like their Christian theology. And Robert disagreed, probably because he was having a lot of fun sporting a goatee and wearing a black cape. I feel it. In 1974, they officially separated and she basically kicked him out of the church. Um, Anyways, he actually was able to take some group members with him. And he tried to kind of restart the process church and continue it in the, like, dark satanic form it was in. But in, like, five years, he completely abandoned it and became a, a office guy who works at a business in Long Island and changed his name back to his birth name of Robert Moore. So Marianne, who is a lot cooler... She retained most of the church members, like a vast majority stayed with her. Um, She renamed the Process Church to the Foundation Church of the Millennium. And then again in 1977, she renamed it the Foundation Faith of the Millennium. And then in 1980, the Foundation Faith of God. Mm -hmm. Although at this point, followers just kind of refer to it as the Foundation. That's like a safe place to, to start. Um, at this point, they defined themselves as defined themselves as a Christian church, and the members were all required to believe in the Trinity, the divinity of Jesus Christ, and His second coming. So this is pretty standard for like the evangelical movement at the time. Like they went hard Christian, um, and they were really, uh, if y'all like, I grew up in the Pentecostal evangelical movement so like 
that's very familiar with me. If nobody else is, you should check it out because it's wild. But they were very influenced by Pentecostalism, which was very popular in like the early 80s. And well, that's when it started being popular. But it, I don't know. I feel like the 90s was kind of like when it was starting to slump. And it might mm-hmm. be hard to find a Pentecostal church today. Thank God. Um, similar to the process church, membership was still organized in a hierarchy. Um, and then it was led by the nine member council of luminaries. So it still has like those weird little cult elements in it, even though it is very Christian at this point. With her in this group was a guy named Timothy Wiley, who is still alive and apparently is a PCP advocate now. Um, but he <laughs> Whoa, had been us, right. <laughs> yes, he had been with the church since the beginning, so he was he was close friends with the two of them before they started the church, and he just like stuck with them through everything. Yeah, they seem cool. Yeah, I like PCP. Yes, that's basically him now. He's like, oh yeah, it was a cool place to be. Perianne was really manipulative, but it was cool. Mm-hmm. Also, I like PCP. Um, Wiley is actually kind of an interesting person besides the PCP thing. In 1977, he tried to do an offshoot of the foundation called The Unit in New York City. G-G-G-G-Unit. Yeah. Uh, Marianne was not happy about this, and she tried to sue him for it, but she lost. However, the unit disbanded, like, super quickly because Wiley was a money and drug man, not a leader man. Um, And then he pursued an independent career in, like, the new age field. And he has a a focus on communicating with extraterrestrials, angels, and the ultimate satanic figure, dolphins. Oh, have we told y'all how much Renee loves dolphins? So if you find any, especially Lisa Frank dolphins, I hate dolphins. You, we're gonna get a PO box and just send Renee whenever you go to the beach. Like, just find those. Super just email what? it to us. Oh god! No, no. I want her to have. I want no, her to have like okay. dolphin like uh, snow globes. Oh oh oh! And like oh, that okay, say okay, Dustin, okay. Florida, or like Venice Beach, and like a dolphin's yeah. coming out of the waves. You know, like she loves. I have dolphins. There's a magnet on um one of my downstairs fridge. That's a dolphin, and it says like with love from Florida that my brother-in-law and his wife got. Anyways, despite my hatred for dolphins, moving on. Moving on. So this is where it finally, like, ceases being a church. And I'm not really sure why she made the switch. But in 1982, Foundation Faith of God moved to Utah. And it established the Animal Rescue Refuge in Kanab. Kanab. It's probably Kanab because these people are weirdly (laughs) religious. They're in Utah. Yes. Mormons. Yes, that's why it's probably Kanab. It's all connected. They're all together. They're all connected. In 93 is when the organization changed their name to Best Friends Animal Society. And it they completely removed all references to religious ideas. Sounds like like some babysitter's club shit. It does. Best like you would never animals. you would never be like, "Oh yeah, these are the satanists." Like they basically like purged all religious references. Can you imagine their, their babysitters club books where like they're all wearing black cloaks and like there's like a golden retriever next to them and they're petting it, but it's like the cartoon mm-hmm. style of the babysitters club. Oh my club. lord! <laughs> <laughs> Claudia holds her first Black Sabbath. <laughs> it's like first communion. 
Amazing. <sighs> and then basically nobody knew that the Best Friends Animal Sanctuary was connected to the Process Church until 2004 when there was an article done about it. Who talked? Right? <laughs> Who? Somebody talked to the Rocky the fucking Mountain beans. News. Um, and then in 2005, unfortunately, <laughs> Mary Ann McLean died. And the management of Best Friends Animal Shelter was left to her second husband, uh, Gabriel DePayer. Robert de Grimstone II. Is he? So anyway, that was the process church of the final judgment. We had way too much fun doing it. We did. Combining. So Thanks for listening when we are when we get like screaming. this. Yeah. It's just because we're all excited about talk I'm always excited about talking about Satan. And if y'all can't tell Katie our, loves drugs. Our sidetracks that we, you know, veer off course with, they go along with the story. It's and true. we always tie mm-hmm. it back in together so in the end. It's how I deal with the fact that I'll never be able to be a member. So true. Every cult I want to join is already dead. You can dead. start your own babysitter's club, animal society, process church. Process of the Renee's Dude, Babysitting Animal Club Society. If there is an animal shelter run by Satanists, mm-hmm. I yeah, not only would I have created it, but I would go there all CEO, the time. CEO, CFO, president, vice president, and founder, Renee. <laughs> Anywho, I hope you had fun hearing about it because i had never heard about it until i read helter skelter mm-hmm. and then i was like oh and i looked him up and i was like oh and then she was like how can i revive this religion <laughs> <laughs> writing down their beliefs furiously renee is plankton with the with the krabby oh patty secret formula God. <laughs> yes. i'm deb yes well i hope that you guys enjoy learning about this cult and also all of our weird interests as mm-hmm. usual yes um if you still listen to this podcast thank you so much yeah, if you're it's... new welcome it gets worse yep well as usual you know we love you etc please um follow us on all of our socials we'll list them in the link in the mm-hmm. episode please give us a five-star review the link will also be in the episode description but you can also go to rate this podcast.com slash conspiracy Mm-hmm. And if you try to leave less than a five star review, we will find you. Katie's a Scorpio. It's basically what they do. That's true. I did look up all the sex offenders in my area today. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. 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 All right. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Sure. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, Thank guys. You. Bye. Bye. I just want to do God's will. That's the God. And I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land.